Jesus. Now, we have perfectly segued ourselves into the message because the first time Jesus was ever called God with us or Emmanuel is in the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah, if you're a Bible person, you might be saying, was written 700 years before Jesus walked the earth. Why the heck are we doing on our Christmas evening service here a book that happened 700 years before Jesus? Here's why. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah, by the power of God, prophecies about who Jesus would be and what he would be like 700 years before Jesus would walk the earth. It is spoken prophetically about him. Trust me when I say, if you do the research on the biblical prophecies about Jesus, they make the narrative and the history of his life way more believable and not less believable. This Isaiah passage we're going to dive into is one that you've probably heard some parts and pieces before. And so I just want to make sure you guys got this with me. You're going to know it eventually, but it starts with this beautiful line in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 it says this the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned time out we usually here at Momentum, I don't know if you're visiting this evening, I don't know if you usually worship with us on Sundays, or if somebody just nudged you and said, hey, come, the pastor's kind of weird, he's funny sometimes, but just trust me, it'll be a good night. Um, if you're used to worshiping with us on a regular basis, it's in Sunday morning, there's windows that line this whole place, and so dark room worship is like a special treat for us, and we have a very, very limited amount of special effects that we can actually utilize on a week-to-week basis because we are in a big, bright gym. Well, my friends, I've got good news for you. Tonight, we are not in a big, bright gym. We're in a gym where we can actually do some things. And so we've been practicing this. I want you to have an immersive experience in the book of Isaiah tonight. Okay, ready? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Now, sorry, is that too much? Look at this. This is what you're, hey, nobody's leaving church early today. I'm like, hey, you there. You, sir. (laughs) The people walking in great darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. What does the writer mean when he's saying this about Jesus? What he's explaining to you, what he's explaining to me this holiday season is that the arrival of Jesus, the first Christmas, was a light that shined on humanity. Here's why. Up until that point in human history, all mankind could do is speculate as to what kind of God was out there. And, and yes, God popped into history and started the nation of Israel through Abraham. He popped into history and rescued the Israelites people from slavery in Egypt. He popped into history and he gave the Ten Commandments, but it left mankind wondering in large part, what kind of God is out there? The beautiful news of the first Christmas is the God of out there came here. In times past, all of a sudden, if something bad happens in your family, you have to wonder, is this happening because I did something to deserve it? When a plague would kill your crops, you'd go, is this God's judgment on something wrong that I've done? When I cry to God, does he hear me? When I'm anxious, does he care? When I fail, does he write me off? Is there space 
for a person like me at his table. And the beautiful news of the first Christmas, what Isaiah is explaining to you and explaining to me is that a light has shined in the darkness. We don't have to walk in darkness anymore. You could put the lights back on. We'll uh, do it together. Again, I'm keeping this in case you try and leave early tonight. It'll be right here if I need it, okay? Uh, So the beautiful thing in this passage, the beautiful truth, the beautiful reality that Isaiah describes for you and for me is we don't have to walk in darkness anymore. In the same way you see Jesus treat people in Scripture is the same way he deals with us today. He's God's heart on display. Like I said earlier, I'm so good at applying all the God stuff to other people. Oh, God's got grace for them. He can forgive them, but sometimes I can't forgive myself. Oh, God's going to help them. He's going to come through, but I bite my nails and worry if my problems are too small for God. Oh, God's got that for them, but I wonder sometimes if he's got that for me. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he came to earth. The word became flesh, or as Eugene Peterson put it in the communion verse, the word became flesh and blood. He moved into the neighborhood, and we saw the glory with our own eyes, a -a one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son. Like when I watch Jesus love someone, that's the kind of love that God has for me. When I watch Jesus fight for people who can't fight for themselves and defend themselves, that's the way that God will go and fight for me. When I watch Jesus heal and rescue people who could not heal and rescue themselves, that's the way that God wants to show up in my life and in yours. We don't have to walk in the dark anymore. I got to admit, I almost cut out the next few verses But there's something there so sweet and so beautiful, we can't afford to miss it tonight. And again, okay, here's the deal. If you're 13 years old or younger, you can tune me up. You can just stick fingers in your ears and stick your tongue out at me for all I care. Uh, Because this one's just for the adults in the room. I want you to check out these words in verses 3 through 6. Isaiah continues and he goes, God, you've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Meaning this Savior who's coming, this light who is shining, he's all about joy. People rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire for to us. A child is born, and to us, a son is given. You go, that's not Christmassy. But in his own words and in his own language, as Isaiah is filled with the power of God, and he's looking forward to who Jesus would be, out of his mouth and from his pen comes the description of great victory. All of those words that I had in blue on the screen are victory language. What he's saying to you and saying to me this evening is that there is a victory available to us in Jesus Christ. I don't mean victory like now nothing bad is going to happen to you. I mean it more like an antidote, as in if you have Christ, you have what you need to fight off any illness 
uh, unrest, any oppressor, and anything that rises up against you. There is a victory available to you because Jesus came for you. There's a victory in Jesus. There is a power to win battles that you could never win for yourself in Jesus. In Jesus and Jesus alone, that wound that you carry, it can be healed. In Jesus and Jesus alone, the moments in your life that are the most regretful and that are filled with the most chaos do not have to end you. There is a victory available to you that's greater than anything you could imagine. I'm not telling you this tonight because I'm a pastor and it's Christmas. I'm telling you because for the last 20 years, Jesus has won victories for me that I could have never won for myself. He has taken me places I could have never taken myself. And he's healed me in ways that I could never heal myself. 376 days ago, our family was in a van heading to Ice Skate down at Liberty Station. The phone rang with a peculiar caller at a peculiar time. It was Britt's brother, and it was in the afternoon, and that's not their usual schedule. I pulled the van over immediately because I knew what was about to happen. And I watched Britt's face turn white. I watched the tears fill her eyes. And I could hear through the phone her brother saying, dad is gone. And we're pretty open about that story. Many of you know for her in that relationship, it's a story that was marked by intense hardship, intense pain. It was marked by words being said from a father to a daughter that should never be said from a father to a daughter. It was the story of halfway houses, unfulfilled promises, harassment, and addiction that finally overcame her father 376 days ago. And I've had a front row seat as I've watched Jesus Christ miraculously transform that pain in ways that defy all logic. It didn't end well. There was no Disney moment. Hey, I'm so sorry for all of this and you were always this to me and I'm sorry and I've got to go and a deathbed and a long time to say goodbye did not happen and 376 days later, I have a wife that is more whole, more loving, more hopeful, and more kind than she ever was before any of it happened in the first place. If you said, Matt, how is that possible? How is it in the shadow of great tragedy, you have a better person than you had before it all happened in the first place? Here's the answer. There is a miraculous victory available to all of us in Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it because I'm a pastor. I'm saying it because he's changed everything for me. And he wants to know us. He wants to live with us in relationship 
And in that relationship, you will find everything your soul has ever craved. Four things specifically. Verse 6 goes on. And it says, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And hear me, I, I, when I explain this, there are levels to counsel and counseling. You could go down a mile of cars, you could walk into any dealership, there will be somebody in a suit, they will walk out, they will smile, they'll shake your hand, they'll greet you, they will answer all of your questions, but rest assured, the counsel that you get there is going to have their best interest in mind. That's not the counsel we're talking about. The wonderful counsel in Jesus is better and deeper than a counselor who you would go sit on a couch with and share your life with. Now, trust me, I, I've been to counseling many times. It saved our marriage many times. We believe in counseling, but I'm telling you, you can go to a counselor and, and they'll totally miss you. I've sat with a well-trained counselor with 25 years of experience and degrees on the wall and told them about pain before and said, hey, this is what's going on. It's enraging. And then they respond and the response informs me that they've totally missed me. They don't get it. Well, that's not Jesus. Jesus is a counselor who gets you. Uh, the best description I can offer you is I work out in this gym and it has a lot of veterans, a lot of veterans that are somewhere in the journey of their battle with PTSD. And I spent a lot of time with those guys and I've learned from them the most helpful thing for them, someone else who has been there too. That's the kind of counsel you find in Jesus. He is not a savior who sat far away on a throne in comfort and said, hey, good luck with it. He's a savior who came to be with us, lived like us. He's now for us and he understands us. You ever felt discriminated against? You ever felt Isolated and alone? You ever been betrayed by a friend? You ever experienced disappointment? Where you walk away wondering if you'll ever be the same again. Can I tell you something? We have a Savior who has been there too. He is a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. I call this the Lion King principle. Come on, you remember Simba when he took Nala down to the elephant's graveyard and he knew he wasn't supposed to be in the elephant's graveyard. I mean, why would you go there and the hyenas are creeping and there's people around and he's wanting to show off and, and sure enough, it did work out for him in the end because he ended up with Nala, God bless him. And, and he finds himself in that elephant's graveyard and the hyenas are surrounding him and they're coming around him to end him and make a sport of him and eat him and eat Nala and he doesn't know what to do so back into the corner, he gets down and he goes to let out his biggest roar and all you get is this. He did this again. Wow. 
But the third time, his father roars for him. And an ear-shattering roar from Mufasa comes away and strikes fear into the heart of these hyenas, these problems, these oppressors, these accusers. In Jesus, you have a father who will roar for you. He will win for you battles that you could never win yourself. He is a mighty God. When you bring something to him, it is better than bringing it to your pastor. It is better than bringing it to a good friend. It is better than picking up a book because he is a mighty God. He is the one who has the power to change things. And the beautiful thing about our relationship with God is he says, when I come beside you, I will fight for you. And when you walk with God, even your biggest weaknesses and flaws become things you can brag about because that's just another place and another space where you can show everyone how big your God is because he is a mighty God. And yet I love they put these two concepts side by side on purpose. He's also an everlasting father. The heart of a good father beats in Jesus' chest. And we could go into fathers and disappointment and who should have said what or been there or been this or that or the other. But suffice it to say, the heart of a father beats within our Savior. I love that because I love going to the pool. Did anybody see it's going to be 80 on Christmas? All our brothers and sisters in the Midwest and in the American South and in the Northwest and in the Northeast, we're the chosen ones. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so I'm like, all right, I guess we're going to the pool on Christmas. All right. You better believe I'm going to troll some friends in the Midwest with some pictures. But uh, you ever go to a pool in the summer and realize how many times you hear the phrase, hey, dad, watch this. Because there is a part of us that wants to look to a father for affirmation, validation, and love. Can I tell you something? He he is an everlasting father. He is the place where you can look for a never-ending, unchanging, always forever validation, affirmation, and love that is pure. And he's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace, and we spoke on this last week, but peace that Jesus brings to our lives is a different kind of peace than the peace we can try and acquire for ourselves in the world around us. In the book of John 14, verse 27, it says, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not, I I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. I don't give you the kind of peace that the world gives. What, what's the difference here? Jesus brings a peace that works from the inside out. From the inside of who you are, not the outside in. See, we try and manufacture peace from the outside in from time to time. If I can set up the environment around me to be a quiet, peaceful environment, then I'll feel some peace. The problem with the peace that works from the outside in is that you can lose it in an instant. If it's quiet, you're after, the noise always comes back. If you've looked to a certain financial status to acquire peace, I'll be peaceful when. 
That's a peace that can be taken from you. You could be two decisions away from losing that peace. If your peace revolves around controlling things around you, you will come to the end of your control and the peace will be gone. But the peace that Jesus gives us is different. He is the Prince of Peace. When you walk with him in relationship, he imparts a peace to you that no one can take away. So Ben, you guys can come up and lead us in just a second, and I'll finish with this quote and this idea. An old pastor long ago named John Calvin said these words. Whether in short it appears to us that everything is in terrible condition, let us recall to our minds that Christ is called wonderful because he has inconceivable methods of assisting us and because his power is far beyond What we are able to conceive. When we need counsel, let us remember that he is the counselor. When we need strength, let us remember that he is mighty and strong. When new terrors spring up suddenly in every instant, and when many deaths threaten us from various quarters, let us rely on the fact that he is with us and for good reason called the Father. And by the same comfort, let us learn to soothe all temporal distress when we are inwardly tossed by various tempests and Satan attempts to disturb our consciences, let us remember that Christ is the Prince of Peace and it is easy for him to quickly, for him to quickly to allay all our uneasy feelings. Thus, these titles confirm us more and more in the faith of Christ and fortify us against Satan and against hell itself. What's he saying? In Jesus, there is a strength, a peace, and a hope better than anything you could go out and get for yourself. And it's available to us even now. So the text says... He's called Wonderful God, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He's called all these things. But the million-dollar question this Christmas, the question that would change your new year, is, is he these things to you? Is he the place you run for counsel? Is he mighty in your life? Is he your everlasting father? Is he the prince of your peace? Because when the truth moves from your head to your heart, everything changes. So the beautiful thing about Christmas is we were given a gift. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. But the gift is an invitation. The invitation is a gift. The gift of Jesus Christ is an invitation for you hand him the keys to your life and say they're better in your hands than they are in mine 
It's an invitation for you to hand him your physical sorrow and the hardship and the things you've gone through this year, saying, they're too heavy for me. I need that mighty God stuff. Can you help me? It's an invitation to go running into the embrace of an everlasting father who will never leave you and never forsake you. But it's a gift that you have to receive yourself. So Jesus followers, I'm talking to you. This isn't like, oh, there might be somebody new in the room who hasn't heard Jesus. Good job, Matt. Tell them the gift and the invitation. No, I'm talking to you. Because it's so easy for us spend a little time with Jesus and forget that all the promise and the blessing and the peace, they are for us as well. They're not intellectual concepts. They're kingdom realities that are meant to be embraced by us. And I will tell you, you haven't found that yet. That scary, almost terrible decision hand Jesus the keys to your life or the pen of your story and to allow him to write the chapters from here on out it is the only thing between you and those beautiful those beautiful beautiful names given to Jesus being made real in your life so we're going to finish with this song, or actually it's a couple songs, and I want to invite you to have space to do your own business with God this evening. So go ahead and stand up, and I'm going to finish our last service of the year just by praying for you. Let's pray together. God, for those of us in the room who have experienced great pain recently who are in the middle of soul crushing situations I do I do pray that in real ways even tonight they would experience your peace that they would hear your voice of love in their lives for those of us who have that craving for affirmation to have a place to look where we know we're enough and okay. God, I, I pray that you would be everlasting father in their life tonight. For those going into the new year with some big prayers in their hearts, some folks who need help in a big way, I pray that you would show yourself mighty to them. God, for all of us, I pray you would meet us personally. Show us your heart for who we are and just how much you love us. We thank you for sending your son to earth for everything that the first Christmas means to us here and now and in the life to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Let's worship together.